Hey mamas, I'm Alyssa, your mama and me RD. I'm a registered dietitian and mama of two. I specialize in nutrition and feeding for infants and toddlers. Welcome to Nutrition for Littles, a podcast dedicated to helping you raise healthy, confident, and intuitive eaters. Nutrition is kind of my thing, and I love sharing it, but honestly, the 30 seconds Instagram gave me on my stories just wasn't cutting it anymore. Join me each week as we go deeper and tackle topics like picky eating, mealtime struggles, baby-led weaning, and fostering a healthy relationship with food, and so much more. I'll try to be short, but I plan on answering your actual real-life questions using your examples. I will walk you through actionable strategies to help you protect and preserve your child's innate ability to listen to their bodies and eat intuitively. Let's jump right into today's topic. Hello, hello. Um, welcome back, you guys, to Nutrition for Littles. Today, I am tackling a um, well-requested topic that I feel like a lot of you probably have this question swirling in your app in your own head. Um, So today we're talking about how to handle caregivers or family members or anyone who's around your kid who doesn't view the eating experience the same way you do. So maybe they'll make comments that you don't agree with about your kid's plate. Um, Maybe they'll uh, do something behind your back, like giving them, you know, treats or sweets or dessert or anything like that. Um, maybe they do some high pressure techniques, like you have to eat this, you have to clean your plate um, when you're not around or maybe in front of you and how to handle that situation. So a few weeks back, if you look on the podcast, I tackled the topic of getting your spouse or partner on board with your eating philosophy And um, it was a really great episode, but I actually had recorded it already once and then I re-recorded it because what I did originally was I combined. I combined how to get your partner on board and how to talk to caregivers. And I think it's actually a very different conversation. So, and I... It was a long episode. It was like 25 minutes. And as you guys know, I try to keep these episodes as close to 15 minutes as I can because I'm a mom and I know that 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 would be what I would want. I want quick, tangible tips that I can listen to while I'm in the shower or listen to on a car trip or, um, you know, going to get groceries or something like that. Um, Nothing that's going to take, you know, an hour and a half to listen to. So it was a little long. And honestly, it's two separate conversations. So if you haven't already, go back and listen to that episode about how to get your partner on board, because I do think there's a lot of tips and tricks you can pull away from that that apply to this situation as well. But today, I want to talk to you specifically about how to handle a caregiver or family member who is around your kid, who um, has a very different idea of what the feeding experience should look like. So I know a lot of us were raised in a very different household than what we're trying to um, have at home. So I'm very lucky, actually. I had a really great upbringing in a lot of ways. Um, And I have to be careful because my mom listens to this podcast. (laughs) But um, seriously, I really did. I had a great experience with a lot of different things. Um, But of course, there's always things we're going to pull forward to our own family that we think we can improve on. And that's one of the best 
things about generational success is that we can then teach our kids um, different coping mechanisms or tools that maybe we weren't taught and have since learned as adults. So I know that some parents um, or in-laws or even family members in general can kind of take this as a personal affront to the way that they raised us or the way that they parent their kids. And I just want to remind you to kind of keep your eyes on your own paper, right? This is your family. You get to decide how you're going to raise them and you don't need to make apologies for it. You don't need to excuse it. You don't need to even have this conversation if you don't want to but I encourage you to. I think it's okay that we want to raise our kids a little bit differently or a lot bit differently than how we were raised. There's no right or wrong. Um, as Well, I guess there are some wrong things you can do, but you know what I'm saying. There's no perfect way to raise a family. There's no perfect way to parent. It's all about reading the relationship and the dynamics within your own family. And I think people understand that. I think as long as we come from a place of grace and understanding and appreciation for the way that we were raised and some of the things we came out of it with, um, we can then kind of start the conversation from there. So I'm not going to get too deep into that because honestly, it's probably a whole other topic. But I do want to remind you to maybe reflect on how you were raised specifically around the table, what phrases were said to you, what rules there were around food, and what rules or phrases that you continue to perpetuate in your own home, maybe unknowingly, or maybe you agree with it. And that's totally fine too. You don't have to change. Um, But the thought process here is, is that how we were raised around the table sometimes can be our default when we're not actively trying to parent at the table. Um, So a lot of people will feel like their kids should be acting a certain way at the table, um, even if that's not really what they want to instill in their kid. And they'll just kind of default back to making those rules. And they've really never set that boundary with their child. So as I've told you before, you do need to verbally set these boundaries. And then when they cross the boundaries, um, you follow through in that way. But make sure that we're not just kind of reverting back to something that we learned as a kid that our kids have never experienced or been told. So we need to be able to have those boundaries at the table and follow through with them. Okay, so here's the first thing I want to assess when we're talking about um, caregivers or family members that are around our child. If we're unhappy with the way that they're handling food around our kiddos, um, we need to first assess how much access they have to our kids. Are they a babysitter that sees them frequently? Are they a grandparent that sees them once a week, once a month, once a year? Are they um, your neighbor or whoever this person is or multiple people that you want to have this conversation with or kind of assess the situation, we need to see how much access they have. So consistency is key. So if you're with your kids three meals a day, every day, all the time, um, probably one time a week or even less than that is not going to dramatically change the way they view food, depending on how harmful the comments are. If the comments are harmful and hurtful, um, something commenting about their body size or how they can't eat so much or things like that, that definitely needs to be addressed. But I think the smaller comments, um, for example, make sure to finish your plate so we can have some dessert. Although that's not something I would recommend saying to your kid, I think it's okay to let some things slide. So the thought 
process behind this is because consistency is the most important um, factor, you're never going to be able to teach everybody who's around your child the exact right way you want a parent around the table. So people are going to make mistakes. That's okay. Your kids are resilient. They're going to bounce back and they're going to listen to the consistency that is given to them every day from you. So kind of um, assess that access to your child. Now, if you feel like there is significant access to your child and it's going to affect them long term, um, let's say you have have a grandparent or an in-law who watches them frequently or daily even, um, that's a time that I think definitely warrants a conversation, especially if you're unhappy with the way that they have been um, acting or what they've been saying around the table. So I'm going to start by sharing a personal experience with you and then kind of telling you some steps that you can take. So um, I actually have a very supportive family who listens to my podcast, follows me on social media, and has been very open to this way of thinking around the table. I also don't have people watching my kids day in and day out, um, but the most frequent they see right now is their grandparents. But before I had my daughter, uh, my son was going to daycare. And so he was there every day for long periods of time while I was working full time. Um, And they had a rule in their classroom that was, uh, I think it was fruit first was what they said. So they had to eat their fruit before they eat anything else. And they had the rule that they had to finish everything on their plate before they had seconds of anything else. So to me, and as you guys know, this isn't how I raise my children around um, the table. I don't think it's actually very helpful. And the research does support that. So what I did, and I know this is a little bit easier for me because I'm a dietitian, but I drafted an email and I connected some of my sources for them and let them know, hey, I'm a registered dietitian. I noticed this is happening um, at lunchtime with my son, and I just wanted to point your attention to it and let you know what I would prefer for my child, but also take a look at this research and um, consider implementing it into your classrooms. I also offered um, to come and speak to them. Now, they didn't take me up on it. Um, They were very kind, though, and responded. The email was very, like, educational and, hey, I noticed this um, situation happening and I just wanted to bring your attention to it. It was very kind and not judgmental at all because, of course, I understand why those rules were in place. They're in place because they want what's best for the child. And we, this is... This is true of all families. We all want what's best for our kids. And that's why we make some of these decisions that seem right in the moment, but have long-term effects. So I wrote my email very kindly. They responded it and were responded to it and were so, so kind. And I know that at least in his classroom, the rules did change. So that's wonderful. Um, so that was a really great example of kind of an educational moment. And then they implemented it and things worked out better for his classroom. I don't know if they took that information and moved it into other classrooms. And obviously, he's been pulled from daycare. So I'm not sure where they're at now, but I did what I could do. So in your situation at home, let's say it's with a grandparent or an in-law and you want to have this conversation, I recommend first and foremost to have it away from the child. So this is what I've recommended before in my previous episode about how to get your partner on board. But it's so, so important not to talk about these sorts of things in front of your kid. Um, For so many reasons I won't get into today, but it's also a less heated situation. If if you think things might be a little bit uh, tense or 
maybe they'll feel defensive. It's more important to not have an audience when you're having this conversation uh, versus your kids kind of listening and being like, what's going on? And you always, always, always want to do the best you can to be a united front around children because they will find those holes and those inconsistencies and they will rip right through them. Am I right? So um, you want to talk to them away from the child. And what I found to be the best advice um, that I've been giving and hearing feedback from mamas is to start out with something um, positive and saying something along the lines of, oh, I wanted to share with you something really interesting I've been learning about, okay? So you start the conversation in this way of, I'm learning too. I'm not perfect. I'm not doing everything right. You weren't wrong the way you did it, but I'm learning this new concept I've never heard of before. Let me tell you about it. Um, You can also say something like, we're trying something new. I want to share it with you. Or I thank you so much for... um, you know, watching my child or taking care of them. I know how much you love them. Um, I'm wondering if we can do things a little bit differently. Here's what I'm thinking. So those are really great ways to start that conversation in a very non-attacking way, if that makes sense. Um, The other thing that I've shared previously in the podcast is using the you statements can be really attacking versus putting it on you and saying how you feel, or um, I've been learning this, I feel this way, things of that nature versus you always say this, or when you do this, they do that, and blaming them for things that maybe haven't even manifested yet. So um, pulling it back into your perspective and how you want to handle um, eating relationships at the table. So I think this is a really great place to start. And then what I think is really great um, once you're in that conversation is getting their feedback. It's okay if they think this is silly or stupid or ridiculous, that's okay. Everyone is entitled to their own opinion and you can remind them that you are the parent and this is how you want to raise your child around food. And if they could respect that, that would be great. So That's kind of a great starting point. Also, I think pointing them to other resources where they can learn for themselves is a super great way to have um, open conversation with them about it, but not be the one that's necessarily teaching them. So of course, depending on the dynamic, it's perfectly appropriate for you to teach them what you're learning in detail. Um, But I do think sometimes it can, especially if it's a parent, it might change that dynamic and might, for some people I've found, they talk about how it can create a negative environment. So it might be great to point them to something like this podcast or my Instagram or other resources that you use or books that I've recommended in the past for them to pick up if they're interested. So remember, these are people that are around our child frequently around mealtimes. So they should be interested in this, right? I mean, especially in the example of a grandparent or an in-law, they love your child so, so much and they want to see them thrive as well. So that's a really great common ground that you guys can find to move forward in this situation. Now, if things turn really negative, um, I think that it's important to have a very real conversation uh, planned out and maybe have a lot of time (laughs) to have the conversation. So it's not just kind of like a fleeting Um, right before you leave with the kids or something along those lines. So I do think that's really important uh, to acknowledge that sometimes this can cause flare-ups in your family and um, a little bit of tension because people are really defensive about the way that they parented you or their child. And 
we need to be careful not to have this come off as an attack, although maybe some of some of us feel like we want to attack them with how they raised us around food. But um, uh, just a quick reminder that although my point here is to teach you how to overcome picky eating and how to have your kid form a healthy relationship with food, there are no guarantees. You can do everything, quote unquote, right. And you can tell your grandparents or your parents um, to do everything, quote unquote, right. And there's still a possibility, of course, that our kids grow up to have an unhealthy relationship to food or even an eating disorder. So I can't. I wish I could tell you if you follow my steps, absolutely, your kid will grow up and have a healthy relationship with food and never struggle with their body image and never have an eating disorder. But unfortunately, that's not the case. So we're doing the best we can. We're all learning. And I can continue giving you these practical steps about what the research recommends at home. But of course, there's always going to be contributing factors. We don't know for sure. And although we can give them the best chance we possibly can, things absolutely shift and change. So um, I would recommend explaining that to them and reminding them that, hey, I'm doing the best I can. I want what's best for my kid. I don't want them to struggle with their relationship with food like I did, things of that nature. And I really think we can find common ground and move forward. Anyways, I hope this episode was helpful for you. If you do have a specific situation um, that you need help with, please DM me on my Instagram. I am so happy to walk that um, line with you and walk through that with you and help you feel prepared to have these conversations because I know it can be hard. I Eating is very emotional for us and obviously it's a family experience. Um, so it's something that we absolutely need to discuss. So um, DM me on Instagram at mama and me RD if you need further help with this. But for now, I will say goodbye and let you know that I will see you next time. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you're walking away with some tangible ways to bring some peace to your mealtimes. And if you like this episode, please subscribe and tell all your hashtag mom friends. And as always, the best compliment you can give me is leaving a rating and written review. You can find more from me on my Instagram at mama and me rd. That's mama.and.me underscore rd. And please feel free to send me any questions or comments you may have. Email me at alyssa at mama and me rd.com. Until next week, mamas.